This is the Quip and Quill podcast. I'm your host, Devin Rue, professional fantasy cartographer and illustrator. Hi, I'm Tom Cartos, and I am a cartographer. How into the weeds do you get with your cartography? Like when you do like world building and, or do you do world building is it tectonic plate movement? Like how far down do you go when creating? So I never really set out to world build. It's something that kind of happened almost by accident over time. I um, The first project I did when I started making maps was a little town called Austinwald. And the idea was it would just be the perfect fantasy starter town. It had an a tavern, a brewery, a garrison, a few houses, uh, everything you think you might need. And I just focused on that one little location that actually came out of a backstory I created for a uh, character that I still am yet to play. But, you know, her (laughs) world has kind of (laughs) got out there and evolved and become this huge thing. And it was really a case of over time, I had all these little bits and it seemed to make sense to start making them a cohesive whole. So my world building definitely starts like bottom down. Uh, Same with making my maps. I tend to start quite far in and work my way out. If that makes sense. Yes. How far in though? Are you Um, you starting with just a concept of what it should look like? Or are you like... So my... Dawn of time... (laughs) Yeah, not quite like that. My background is in architecture. That's what I studied at school, and that's what I did for a few years as a career before I moved into uh, TTRPGs. And my kind of design philosophy stems a lot from that. So anytime I'm creating a location, a battle map, whether it's, you know, a small map or a village or a town or a city or something larger, it starts with the people who live there and how do they inhabit that space? And then how does it make sense to form that space around them and what the daily ruby and the, you know, the climate that they're in and what kind of culture they might be part of. So it, it starts with the people that live there. So if I'm thinking it's a brewery, who is the brewer? What is their daily routine? How do they get from this space to that space? Where do they hang out in their off time? Where is their favorite place to be? It's, it's that kind of stuff. It's driven by the people. Gotcha. How did you go from architecture to cartography? Uh, not that so it's a that huge was... leap. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's not. There there are definitely quite a few transferable skills. Um, and it wasn't something that I had ever planned to do. I am, think quite uncommon in the industry in that I didn't start playing TTRPGs and then try to turn it into a job. I found the job and because of that got into TTRPGs and started to fall in love with it. So I uh, worked for a few years at a quite large architectural firm that was very commercially driven. Um, You know, it was huge projects all over the world and it was very money driven. And after doing seven years of architecture school, which is the complete opposite, it's very artistically driven and philosophically driven and about, you know, people who use the space rather than people that are paying for the space. I was feeling quite creatively unfulfilled. Um, So I decided in my spare time outside of work 
to uh, try and compensate for that, try and find that creative outlet. I started teaching myself to draw because that's not actually something they teach you at architecture school, at least uh, not in the UK. Um, I came from more of an engineering background, so you see quite a lot of my maps, they still have a lot of straight lines and geometrical shapes in them, and I'm not so good at the organic stuff. Um, but I decided I wanted to learn to draw just partly so that it would help me in my job and also just to have a you know something creative. Um, so I'd spend two or three hours a day after work or at the weekend sitting down with my sketch pad and literally starting out just drawing straight lines and circles and ellipses and all the very basic foundational stuff which you kind of need something going on in the background so you don't go mad. Um, so I started listening to podcasts, uh, watching stuff on Twitch and YouTube, anything background noise I could have. And someone suggested uh, Critical Role to me, which I didn't know anything about. I didn't re really know what D&D was. My only kind of connection to Dungeons & Dragons growing up was watching the uh, 2000 D&D movie with Jeremy Irons, which I think probably put me off it for quite a while. Understandably. Um, yeah. Uh, but I got into listening to initially the podcast and then seeing some comments online about how you needed to see Sam's shirts. I went to watching it on YouTube. Um, and that kind of led me into the world of TTRPGs and just knowing what it was, having a general background idea of it, but still not really having an idea that I might ever go into that as a career. Um, so after like a year or two of doing this, learning to draw, I was starting to get a little bit better, um, kind of more confident in my skills. And for a number of reasons, decided to leave the job I was in. Um, and also my partner was uh, out there with me in a different job. We were living in Singapore and we decided to leave the country and move somewhere new. Um, we went to the other side of the world and lived in Costa Rica. Um, yeah, which was fantastic. A really beautiful place, very idyllic. Um, but it's quite hard as a foreigner to get work there. Um, my partner was teaching English, so for her it was relatively easy. Um, but the immigration laws there, uh, rightfully so, make it kind of difficult for expats to come over and kind of take jobs from locals when the locals could be doing it. Um, so looking at the kind of work that I would be able to do was essentially freelance online. And I started out on sites like Fiverr and Upwork and things like that doing architectural renderings. So it was taking kind of some of the architecture work that I knew and mixing in some of the kind of the artistic stuff I'd been learning in the hope that I could get a little bit of work out of that. And it it went all right a little while. Um, but then someone saw it and contacted me and said, could you do this but for my D&D &D game? <laughs> Which, because I had got into listening to things like Critical Role, and through watching Critical Role, had seen, you know, maps by yourself and people like um, Jared Blando and a few others that they they featured. Um, thought, okay, this is actually something people do as a job. So I'll give it a go. I worked with this one client for a little while, doing some maps for uh, their campaign. They were a DM for hire, so they were using a few groups. And when those jobs came to an end, did a little bit more research into who else was doing this how it could work and discovered that there were some creators on sites like Patreon and decided to give that a go. And that was, I think, August 2019. Um, and it grew grew quite well for about six months. And then obviously the pandemic hit and lots more people were looking to play online and looking for digital battle maps. And things kind of took off from there. 
Um, so that's how I went from architecture to new cartography. Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm also did not intend to do this for a living. Yeah. Uh, it although I've been playing since I've been 14 off and on as groups do and yeah. making my own maps for my own game, I genuinely I too didn't think fantasy cartographer was an actual full-time job. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I just assumed that you were an illustrator who occasionally made maps for books or, you know, whatever. And um it I I ended up making uh, a map of Skyrim and the internet's like, "Can I buy that from you?" And I'm like, "No, it's copyrighted yes, and one day I want to work from them for them." So Yeah. I can't sell their IP. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, out of the blue, someone's like, hey, can you make something for my homebrew campaign? And I was like, yes, actually, I can. And I don't know why I hadn't thought about doing that earlier, but despite making my own. So uh, yeah, I kind of also fell into it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we're definitely in that kind of strange period where there's so many jobs that you don't know exist until you're doing it. Right. I I mean, it's not like it's not like on career day at school that anyone's like, hey, have you thought about being a fantasy cartographer? No, not at all. <laughs> I was very much at school. I was good at math and physics and they said, go and be an engineer. And then I went to be an engineer and decided it was really boring. So switched into art and somehow yeah. ended up here. It's <laughs> Yeah, I was the same thing on math and science, and uh, I yeah. actually ended up with a, a corporate career, which I loved. I used to be an efficiency manager, and um, I I have just a organized way of thinking. Absolutely loved it, and um, but unfortunately had to leave because it's a high stress job. So I guess that skill set helps you a lot now with all the many hats you wear, being organized <laughs> and efficient. Yes, actually, uh, it's sort of amazing because at times I'm it's it's interesting how many hats we do wear, especially when you work for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's from, quite overwhelming at times. Yeah, it really is. And it's the downside to it is parts of it really kind of take out of the creative process. Yeah, very um, much so. I'm finding that more and more as the business grows. Exactly. And I it's one of the reasons why I I always feel um really bad when someone asks me for advice on getting into doing this for a living and part of me really wants to say just don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cuz there's a whole lot of not artistic things that go along with it that kind of suck the life out of you from time to time. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, I'm I'm getting to the point now where I've been fortunate enough to kind of reach a level of success where I'm hiring a number of other people, and that's yeah. fantastic. I one of my favourite things about doing this and being able to you know reach this certain level is that I can hire all these other fantastic talent artists and writers that I collaborate with and commission on a regular basis, but. Project management is probably about half the job now, so I don't right. get to sit and draw quite as much as I'd like to. Yeah, uh, that's the other reason why I started doing this was I 
from an artistic point of view, I, I love to play. I love to create magical spaces for myself to, you know, really amp my creativity. And after talking to so many artists over the years, I, you know, I realize a lot of us do the same things. And it's interesting to hear everyone else's different takes on it, which is one of the reasons why I was like, you know what I really want to do? I just want to sit down with a bunch of other artists, hear about what we need to do creatively to to get out of things like, you know, slogging through work and trying to make it to the end of the day when we have to do all the admin stuff or the bookkeeping or the, you know, project management. So like, what do you do? I have to try and be quite disciplined with how I manage my time. Um, I never used to for the first year or so of doing this. I was able to just kind of do things as they came into my head and never had lists of what needed to be done. Sit down at the start of the day and just get on with whatever I felt like. Uh, now it's very much like I have a daily to-do list broken down by time and I make sure to section off at least half the day as often as I can, hopefully more, um, to just sit and draw. Uh, there are some times where, you know, I'll do that for the whole day. Uh, that tends to work better later in the month. I try to get all my admin stuff out the way at the start of the month so I don't have to right. worry about it. And yeah, just um, finding finding time and making time to be able to sit and not be distracted. So when you go to sit down and draw, do you play specific music? Do you have a certain environment? What, what gets you in the artistic mood? Um, at the moment, I tend to like to have King in the background. So it's probably quite similar to when I was learning to draw, I would have podcasts and YouTube videos and Twitch streams. That's still what I do now. It has to be something that is engaging enough that I don't get distracted and start looking at emails, but not so engaging that I'm not looking at the work I'm doing, if that makes right. sense. So I find things like podcasts where it doesn't matter if I zone out for 10 minutes are perfect. I, I find I go through kind of periods of listening to something very obsessively and then getting bored of it and picking something else. Um, <laughs> I actually quite often, yeah, more often than podcasts, we'll listen to things like video essays on YouTube or what I've been doing as well, because I have so little free time at the moment, is I'll just put on a Twitch stream of someone playing a video game that I really want to play, but no, I'm not going to have time to play. <laughs> so I can just, you know, enjoy it through them. Right, live vicariously through someone else. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it works well. I have time to play a couple of video games a year, maybe. Um, but I get to enjoy plenty more than that. And also, it's really good for... You know, ideas. Uh, so many of my inspirations come from, you know, movies and video games and books that I've enjoyed. And I don't have as much time to kind of fill that internal library anymore. So I found it's right. a good way to do that as well. Do you have like a specific that you listen to, read or watch? I read or watch a lot of horror movies, which don't really work for cartography. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Uh, fantasy no. <laughs> has always been my favorite thing. So obviously it really, you know, <laughs> works well with what I'm doing. Um, right. Yeah, fantasy genre particularly when I was growing up, that's pretty much all I'd read. Kind of epic historical blockbusters and you know, fantasy trilogies, the, the longer the better. Something I could really, you know, get into and would never end. That kind of thing. You know that somebody wants to know the authors that you liked. We're all readers here as well, so... Let me check my bookcase behind me. Uh, <laughs> Trudy Canavan, I've read a lot of hers. Okay. Um, 
Aaron Colfer, who wrote the uh, probably most famous for the Artemis Fowl books, but did a bunch of others. Uh, Ken Follett, one of my favorites. <laughs> Philip Pullman. Uh, Brian Jacks, I grew up, this is a little bit younger, but the Redwall books were probably what got me into fantasy in the first place. Are you currently building a world? What are you, how far uh, along are you in your process of world building? I am probably not quite at full world. I have a pretty well built out, I guess you'd call it maybe a continent, a region, something like that. So the mm-hmm. the way I've continued with my my Patreon and the stuff I create there is kind of built from what I did with that first town of Ostenwald is I've created these six or seven settlements that all have their own identity and location, uh, characters within them and build them out as kind of full towns and cities. Um, so after Ostenwald is fantasy starter town, I did a Doran, which is kind of a larger capital city. Um, I've done, let me look at my map, uh, Driftwood, which is my frontier town, Wild West town. Um, Samarad, which is a desert city. At the moment, I'm working on a big mountain dwarven city. And they all have a place in this world that I've um, been very fortunate to work with the fantastic cartographer Misty B. I don't know if you know her. She um, has drawn it out. Yes. I gave her a very rudimentary uh, hex map that she turned into a beautiful illustration um, of the rather egotistically named Katoja. <laughs> I mean, I name everything Rue, so um, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I, I, I will put in the addendum that my patrons chose that name, but I, I did put it in the poll, so I guess it's on me. It's easier for people to associate with me, and it's uh, uh, such a short, cute name. Is Kartos your actual last name? It isn't. No, sadly, that would be amazing. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a bad pun that stuck. Um, so when I was teaching myself to draw, one of the ways I kind of tried to stay, it's motivated is not quite the right, right word, but stay on track is I created a new Instagram account that I would post to every day. And I kind of found a community of other artists who were learning and we just, you know, keep tabs on each other, make sure everyone's still posting, kind of help. Um, not necessarily give tips, because none of us really knew what we were doing, but just encourage one another. And I probably spent 20 minutes on Instagram trying to find a name that wasn't taken. And the one I ended up with was Tom Artos, like the British pronunciation of tomatoes. Gotcha. Which, uh, which worked, Tom and Art and everything. And then, so when I started doing maps, it just made sense to switch to Tom Cartos. Great. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk on uh, community, because I think that that's really big, especially for newer artists. Um, not just to keep us on track or, or necessarily for us, but... I I am very big on finding your tribe, you know, finding your community. Do you feel that you found it with just artists in general in the TTRPG space? Do you or entirely someplace else? Where's where's your people? At the moment, it's it's very much in within and amongst other TTRPG creators. I was very lucky early on, probably when I'd only been doing this for maybe three or four months, 
some other cartographers uh, kind of were kind enough to just reach out to me and say, I've, I've seen the work you're doing, it looks great. You know, let's stay connected and um, started to build a few few connections from there. Um, some people who were very helpful to me early on were people like um, DeMille from DeMille's Wondrous Works and uh, Josh Valamaps. Um, they they kind of you know showed me the ropes. They led me to things like Twitter and you know places I could sell my work and were really very helpful because they were obviously already very much into the hobby and embedded in the industry. Um, and through them, I kind of met some other people. Um, I'd been posting a few things to Reddit, and I think it must have been around November or December in 2019, um, Che of Che and Peku reached out to me about a collaboration they were doing, which was the first big group collaboration project I was part of, uh, which was really exciting because there was like 30 cartographers working on it. And I didn't even know there were that many people in the world doing this. So we, you know, we started a Discord group um, just to put the collaboration together and get everything working. And then once that was complete, that Discord kind of became just a, a hangout place and a place for us as peers to help one another because we were all quite new to this, figuring out how it works, the business side of things, as well as the art side of things. Um, and that has grown over the last three years to a group of about 300 people now, all of whom are independent creators in the TTR space who help and support one another. Um, and I think without that group, I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing still. Um, you know, working from home in isolation can get quite lonely. And I just, I don't feel that at all because I have those people there all the time to reach out to, whether it's for advice or help or just a chat. Um, and so many more people that I've been able to collaborate with and discover and work with. So that's, that's very much where my people are right now. And, you know, so I, uh, again, really big on community and uh, my my favorite advice to give uh, anyone else who comes to me and says you know you know do you have any advice for just starting out yeah find your people find who you can talk with find who you can hang out with and find who you can bounce ideas off of um i think when i started i didn't intend to become a cartographer and I always thought that at some point I would be able to get back to just doing my illustrations or doing my paintings. And th that just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. In uh, my, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my sketchbooks, my art supplies when I'm learning to draw are still sitting on the top of my bookshelf, just waiting for me to open them up and, you know, do some more of that kind of illustration. But it just it doesn't happen anymore. I, I love what I'm doing and I, I do it pretty much all day, every day. It's wonderful. But one one day yeah, I'll come back to the sketchbooks. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely love I love what I do for a living. I think it's amazing. Um, it's just it's so funny because it took me so long to accept, not accept, but to uh, take the title of fantasy cartographer, much less add the word professional in front of it, because I I always thought like, okay, it's just it's just this project. And then after that, nobody's going to ask me to make any more maps for them. Or I would have more time in between, but that just did not happen. Whenever somebody has asked me, you know, like for advice for when they first start, I tell them all to find their, find their people, even if it's not specifically what you are currently doing. You know, if you can't find other fantasy cartographers, find other fantasy illustrators people that are starting out and that you can hang out with and just not be alone 
in your creativity unless you want to be, because I think all of us need some sort of, you know, solitude. Yeah. Um, so do you have any advice for anyone who's starting out while we're on the subject? Yeah, there's a couple of pieces of advice that I tend to pull. Um, the first is whatever you're doing, enjoy doing it because there is no guarantee of success. I've been very lucky to get where I am. And I know a lot of people who are more talented and harder working than I am who haven't yet been able to reach that level of success. So, so long as you're enjoy, enjoying what you're doing, regardless of whether it succeeds or whatever you would consider to be a failure, if you're enjoying it, it's still a good thing to be doing. If you try and pick something that just because you think it's what's going to be popular or make money, but it's not really what you're into, you're going to burn out so fast. Oh, yes, absolutely. And the second piece of advice I give is if and when you are able, hire a social media manager absolutely <laughs> marketing is like half the job and if you can get someone else to help you with that it frees up so much of your time oh and it it's uh, i have to bounce off of that uh it is it relieves so much stress as well all of us feel like we are barkers at a carnival screaming into a crowd buy my stuff yeah, exactly. And it, you can you can start to take it so personally if something you post doesn't do as well as you thought of someone makes an offhand comment. And if you're not the one looking at it all day, every day, that just that's just gone. And that level of pressure that doesn't help and isn't needed is just gone. Right. And it's amazing because, you know, um, so I do I did the same thing. I hired a marketing company because not only am I horrible about talking about my own things, but like everyone else, I think I'm just doing nothing but spamming out my stuff. And then I find out I'm barely doing that. The amount of people that are like, you have, you have a Patreon? I've had a Patreon since two, uh, 2014. Yeah. And if you're not constantly telling people, right, then people aren't going to find out. It's You always feel like, well, I've said that already. So right. I don't want to say it again. I don't want to push it on people, but you said it once to maybe 20 people and there are hundreds of thousands of other people who haven't seen that message yet so it is important to keep getting that message out there i think that's another good piece of advice is it's fine to repost old content on yes. social media you don't constantly have to be posting new stuff because there's so many people who haven't ever seen your old stuff i am incredibly guilty of like oh look i made this new piece and never talking about it again yeah i i do the same but um I try to be cognizant that that's that's not the best way to do things. Yeah, no, it's not. And even uh, you know, um, if anyone listening cannot afford a marketing company, which is totally understandable, um, there's a please reach out and ask for advice. There's tons of stuff out there that tells you like how often to post, the best times to post, uh, to give you a much better understanding of how marketing works. It is hard, it's not easy, but there's tons of resources out there and there's a lot of marketing people that are more than happy to answer questions. Yeah, uh, anyone specifically within this industry I've found is so ready to share knowledge and help where they can. Um, oh yeah. It's yeah, such a welcoming community and everyone just wanting to lift one another up for you know, just for the sake of it. Yeah, rising tides lift all boats. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely, it's one of the things that I really, really enjoy about, um, the tabletop space is how many of us want to collaborate with each other? How many of us want to build something together, you know, which is amazing because, you know, for the most part, it's, I did, um, traditional art for so long before this. And it's, it's very, it's not as cutthroat between artists. It just feels like it because it's kind of how galleries and um, agents sort of make you feel like you're constantly in competition with everybody. Yeah. But um, that's really not the case. But it's also at the same time, incredibly isolating. It's not as... It's not at all like the movies where we we're all sitting around drinking wine, talking over our latest paintings and, <laughs> you know, living in warehouse lofts or something like none of that exists on that level. And it it's actually pretty hard and it's it's pretty isolating. And to be in the tabletop space is completely different. It is. It's very different to any any other industry I've worked in or been part of. It's amazing. Yeah. It's because you know everyone plays these games where you you join a party, you work as a group, you work as a team. It's right. it's just intrinsic to the way everyone thinks. So it makes sense that that's that's what comes to the front of people's mind is I want to work together, I want to collaborate with you, I want to help you. Right. It's team building in the coolest way possible. Exactly. <laughs> I also think it's a little bit more than that. Uh, in that all of us especially at um, DMs and um, people that really get into role playing or the artists involved, I think all of us tend to think a little bit differently uh, than the norm because we are playing characters and having lives outside of our own that I think, especially when you're a kid and you're just a little quirky, lack of a better way of Mm -hmm. saying it, so many of us are on the outside of a lot of social groups and don't feel like we fit in nearly as well that when we find the tabletop space, it's like, oh no, these are my people. Yeah, and I'm not letting them go. Yeah, uh, and I love, uh, I've been playing with the same group for over 20 years now. Wow. Yeah, uh, we found each other, you know, obviously a long time. Our group has t- kind of changed over the years and then we ended up with group, the core group that we have now. And they're amazing to play with. They are family to me. We have so many memories and so many things that, that never actually happened, so to speak, but feel incredibly real. Yeah, but they, they did happen in, in every way that really matters. Exactly. And I love that. And... Uh, I, any one of these people, I would take a bullet for. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that's, I mean, that's the biggest appeal about playing tabletop games uh, or specifically D&D and, and systems like that, where it is team building on a very emotional level because you need to have trust and faith in the people that you're playing with because literally your characters are in life or death situations and you need to trust the people that you're playing the game with that they won't let you die. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, there are 
so much trust in involved in everything we do as creators together as well. And you're right, it all it all ties up. Yeah. Um, so do you do you have anybody that you haven't worked with yet that you would like to? Oh, there's so many creators out there I'd love to work with. Actually, looking at the list of people that you're going to be uh, talking to on the podcast, um, I'd love to work with you know Lauren, uh, Stephanie. There's some incredible artists out there. I've been very lucky recently to be working with uh, Marco Bernardini, um, who I've been an admirer of for a very long time. Uh, working with me on a, my current Dwarven City project, creating the most beautiful city map that I think anyone's ever made. Right. So, oh, his yeah, work he's, is gorgeous. He's been one on my, it, it really is, isn't it? Um, I'm so happy that I've been able to do that. Um, so I've, I've been very lucky to be able to work with a lot of people already who I admired coming into the industry, like Misty B and Jay Peku. Um, Miss J Maps has also did another fantastic city map for me. Uh, John Stevenson, who goes by Sir Inkman. Um, yeah, so many incredible artists. Um, a very long list, you know, of people I'd love to work with, and hopefully we'll we'll get to one day. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I believe in manifesting stuff, putting it out into the universe. You yeah. never know who's listening. No, definitely. You know? I, I really think it works, especially in in this space where it's quite small and most people probably are listening. Yeah. With any luck, I mean, hopefully this is. Hopefully the podcast takes off because again, as much as I love creating and everything else, it's really hard to sit down and draw for six to eight hours a day, every day. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. So I kind of, I kind of want something that I can fill in in between. This is more a passion project than I expect it to be anything else. But the last time I said that I ended up becoming a professional fantasy cartographer so yeah i mean yeah yeah, go with it like i said if you're having fun with it then that's the most important thing and it also means it's far more likely to succeed oh yeah um yeah no i have to say you've also got a fantastic voice for podcast so thank you i actually almost ended up in radio a long time ago and um life just life just took me in a very different direction I have talked with other cartographers um, over the years, and I will always hear the same thing. If they draw battle maps, they tell me about how everyone wants regional or world maps. If they draw world (laughs) maps, they tell me how everyone wants battle maps, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And if you draw fantasy maps, everyone wants sci-fi. And if you draw sci-fi, everyone wants modern. And yeah. Right. It it can feel like that sometimes. Um, I think that's probably just... uh, focusing more on when someone comes to you and you don't have an answer as opposed to all the times when they come to you and you do but yeah there's definitely a feeling of um not knowing which to produce which is why i've ended up doing all of the above or rather i do the battle maps and i work with other other artists to help me do the the region stuff and the city maps and the town maps so i've got a little bit of everything to offer to people when they come looking and you also do both fantasy and more modern. Tell me about the more modern stuff, because I actually haven't seen much of that of yours. Yeah, it's something I started quite recently in April, I think. Um, I wanted it was partly because I knew that it was kind of a niche that wasn't very filled. Right. Um, 
there aren't a whole lot of modern maps out there. It's probably also because there aren't nearly as many people playing modern settings. Um, but the main reason I did it was actually just to do something a bit different and something I would enjoy. I don't know if it will ever become hugely successful in the way my fantasy maps have or go anywhere, but I'm really enjoying a very different kind of creative process. Because obviously with fantasy art, a lot of it is very historically based. There's a lot of research um, and a lot of kind of, especially in something like D&D where there's magic and things involved, that kind of changes the way you think about design. Um, doing modern stuff is kind of harking back to when I was working as an architect and much more of those ideas of room adjacency and layouts and how a building works. And I've just really enjoyed having that different, something different to do, a different project um, that isn't what I've been doing day in, day out for the last three or four years. Right. Do you... Oh, God, now I have a bunch of other questions I want to ask. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, first one is, um, so you're talking about buildings and how they function and everything else. Do you feel that you get a lot of people that ask about that or try and correct you? Or like, because I get it a lot where people were like, oh, that's not how whatever works. And I was like, it's a fantasy map, but it's representational. You create things that are not technically representational. Yeah, um, I definitely get that occasionally with my fantasy and historic stuff, especially when it's something like when it's a a galleon or a ship, which people, some people have very specific knowledge about specific things. And sometimes they like to let you know that they have that very specific knowledge (laughs) about specific things. I think yeah. most of the time when someone corrects you on the internet, it's less about them saying you're wrong and more about them wanting a chance to prove that they're right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely opening myself up to more of that when it comes to doing modern day because I'm already getting comments about the radius of my road is not correct and my you know road markings are wrong and that parking space isn't wide enough and your disabled ramp is at the wrong angle and, you know, doing my best but i'm not i'm not an expert in everything right isn't it amazing that you're expected to be oh yeah it's there's seems to be an assumption that if you try anything and put it out there online you are an expert in it right which obviously we're not i'm barely an expert at drawing maps <laughs> see now i i actually have earth science background because yeah. I'm a huge nerd. It's mostly for my own personal enjoyment. Uh, I absolutely geek out over the very weird things our planet does. Uh, and I love to post about them. Um, or other planets for that matter, because I love learning about space and everything. Yeah. But the uh, amount of people that will turn around and say something like, you know, uh, uh, this isn't how whatever works or rivers work or and I'm <laughs> I want to go. Yeah, but you're looking at a map where you can see individual trees and the entire continent at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> none of it really makes sense. Right. It's- so, you know, clearly it's not to scale and it is purely representational and it's a world that involves magic. And yeah, that's always the answer is if someone says, well, how does that work? It's, it's magic, does it? It's it's yeah. don't worry about it. Well, it was a wizard. Even even if it doesn't like 
most of the things that people try and correct me on are things that I actually have real world examples to like, but it does happen. It just may not be oh, yeah. as common. Um, the only things where I agree, but I understand, you know, some people look at a map. I love this. I found this out not all that uh, long after I started making maps. I found out that there's some people who don't see, don't think rivers run like north to south or south to north. Yeah, rivers is one that comes up a lot. I don't know where people get this information from. Right. And I'm like, a river only flows from higher elevation to lower elevation and hopefully ending in the ocean. Not that that always happens. Sometimes they dry out at certain points, but it doesn't matter the direction. It, it'll it flow wherever it can. Yeah. You know, um, or like it can only flow down one side of a mountain. That's not how rivers work. I think there must be some geography textbook out there that is to blame for all of this that people have been using for the last 30 years. Right, because, you know, I mean, they're correct in that there is usually, not always, usually a wet and a dry side to a mountain, you know, mountain range. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that's that's more weather than it is. Like, it's not like a river goes, oh, shit, can't go down that side because there's already a river on the other one. <laughs> Gotta read over that, yeah. Right. So they are more likely to, to obviously run down the wet side because that's where the most precipitation occurs. But it's it's not just because there's only a wet side and only a dry side. You know, that's just a very general broad scope of it. But it's so funny to have people like, oh, nope, that can't happen. I was like, we have numerous real world examples of it happening, though. I think we just figured out what your third podcast is going to be. <laughs> Oddly enough, I already had somebody uh, basically comment like, is that going to be it? Is it going to be world building? Is it going to be <laughs> correcting people? I was like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't planning on it, but you never know. <laughs> I'll end up with like <laughs> yeah. a ridiculous amount of podcasts just to do this. <laughs> I think it's the so, right way to go. Right? I mean, why not? We need to get the information out there. Exactly. We need to. The terrifying thing, though, is so I do. I'm I'm friends with actual scientists and who have, you know, uh, information um, like TikToks and YouTubes and articles and everything else. And I will constantly show them the comments that I get, especially on like Reddit or whatever. And they're like, this is nothing. And I get like they'll show me theirs and it's 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 a lot it's mm -hmm. wow um and they're like yeah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're a scientist or not the fact that you aren't is i'm surprised you don't get more i was like oh yeah now i am too <laughs> but apparently if you say that you're an authority on something everyone wants to prove you're not yeah yeah i think that's a big part of it isn't it it's uh I'm smarter than you. You don't know what you're talking about. All right. So how do you deal with trolls when you do get them? Do you just ignore them? Just delete them? Uh, generally, um, my go-to is usually to post something along the lines of, thank you for commenting. You have helped the algorithm boost my post and now more people will see it. <laughs> that is a great response. 
Yeah, I, I find that's one they tend not to have an answer to. Doesn't bother to engage with whatever you know thing they're trying to nitpick. Uh, and also does have the advantage of boosting whatever post or tweet or whatever you're making uh, a little higher up the list. Right. Um, I had someone ask me whether or not the, you know, if I ever have someone who says something, um, the fact that I don't include scales on my map. And I was like, only if I post it on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I mean, sometimes sometimes it's hard not to engage with the trolls, even though, you know, you're not supposed to. Yeah. Sometimes you have to just give a little dig. But yeah, for the most part, it, either ignore it or just something, you know, along the lines of thanks for your feedback. Julie noted. I love that. So does does it does any of it ever get to you? Did it used to? Not now. Does it still does it cause? I don't think so. Syndrome? No. Um. I mean, I'm in a very fortunate position to be a cis white man on the internet. <laughs> so I don't get nearly as much abuse as many other people do. Thank um, you very much for uh, recognizing your <laughs> your privilege. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is much easier for me than it is for so many other people. And I, you know, the vast majority of the comments and feedback I get are quite positive. Um, so I think I'm I'm able to ignore the ones that aren't. Uh, but I, I know it's so different for so many other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interview that I had with Aaron Radney um, because, uh, you know, towards the end of us talking, we really kind of touched on something regarding, you know, around the same thing about him being a black creator in the space. And that ended up like it's a whole other tangent, but we had to go. And I was like, you know what? We're going to we're just going to redo this. Let's let's schedule another day and talk about it. Yeah, you know, because it, it is a part of uh, our, our creative headspace is dealing with trolls or what people say, or even if we know that our art is good and we like it, the moment someone else points it out or points something out, we will still look at our art going, maybe it is, maybe it's just shit, maybe it's crappy, you know, and it's hard not to have brain gremlins and it's it's much harder when it's you feel like you have to work twice as hard to get half the recognition as other people for really no reason other than your gender or your color, you know, skin color or your history, the amount of time that you've been working it. Um, I can't tell you the amount of people that have turned around and said really snide remarks because somebody is new to the space and act like they have to pay dues or some strange shit. And I'm like, no, they don't. You don't know their history if they've already been an artist someplace else or already paid their dues and they make fantastic work. Fuck paying dues. Give them their due anyhow because they they clearly have the skill. Yeah, you're right. There's so many talented people that have come into this industry from other places. Maybe they're not known here, but... Uh... Yeah, that doesn't matter and I think there are there are people like that in the the TTRPG space we were talking earlier about you know how lovely and welcoming and friendly it is but can't ignore that there's that very small minority as well that you do have to be mindful of yes that are slowly being drowned out yeah uh, and I I also was talking about this with uh, Aaron I am so I'm 
going to be 50 in February. And I have, um, so I've been playing since I've been 14. So I've been in this space for a very, what feels like a very, very long time. Okay, so 30 something years is a very long time, but um, I've seen it evolve over the years from when I was a 14 year old kid, 14, 15, going into a um, local game store and basically being ignored or, you know, what is your boyfriend looking for or whatever, Um, having all of my characters sexualized or um, basically being the damsel in distress for everyone else to play a a knight to, to now where women are far more welcomed at the table and far more accepted and have just as much or equal say, if not more at times at the table than we ever did. And I, I, I love that. It's one of the, the things that make me so proud of our community is how incredibly accepting we are and how yeah, it, much we yeah. are drowning out the trolls. Yeah, definitely. It's a very welcoming, progressive space, so much more so than anything else I can think of that I've been a part of. Exactly. Um, and I'm very glad to you know, hear you say that you've seen that evolution and things have changed so much. You still see the occasional horror story posted on Reddit or something like that. Of, yes. You know, exactly those things that you were talking about still happening. But most people will, you know, decry that and point that out and say that's not OK. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things uh, about social media, uh, specifically Twitter, despite the fact that it's going up in a fucking ball of flames (laughs) Uh, uh, one of the things I do love is calling out bad actors and holding them accountable Yeah. Um, at the table more than anything else at the table there was a point where this game was so male centric even in the rules women were basically told female characters could only have certain classes oh yeah i remember seeing that like limits to strength and yeah uh, fuck you people (laughs) yes fuck you very much yeah uh and this was and you know especially when you're in a group and uh, you have a rules lawyer so it goes Mm -hmm. from everyone being able to live whatever fantasy that they you know that they want with their character and be whatever hero to someone going well you can kind of do that but because you're a girl your body parts dictate how much you can and can't do ah yeah i'm sorry what (laughs) i'm i'm i mean frankly somewhat amazed that you know people like you grew up experiencing that stuck with it but i'm i'm very glad you did because you are the ones that have helped lead it to where it is now. Yeah, uh, a lot of us started our own games together. Like the group that I'm I'm with, um, we're actually a group and have been playing for 20 years because um, all of us are, it's actually a full group of eight, but I mostly play with four or I have four players and then me, so five in total. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of us are some form of either Uh, blind, partially blind, fully blind, or hard of hearing or deaf. So there's eight of us in total. And we started playing together because we were so ostracized from 
normal games and being told that, you know, we're uh, we're too much work. We're, you know, because not because we ask for things to be different, but we're asking for descriptions to kind of fit how we see the world. You know, like I said, I'm very tactile. I want I want to know if I touch the wall of a cave, does it feel sooty? So it feels like, you know, to know whether or not people are coming in and out of here with torches or not. Yeah. You know, uh, I care more about hearing and and what am I listening to? What am I smelling than I am? What am I seeing? Oh, yeah. And and it does change the way people write and look at talking about a game or a scene or a scenario for that matter. And um, back then when we started, all of us sort of found each other in really unusual ways and then um, just started started forming a group. We have had an amazing experience together because we could tailor our table to us. And I love that in this the tabletop space and highly encourage it. I know that everyone wants to like be on these shows and be with all these new people. But the problem with that is, is that you end up one only forming that group for the time that you're on that show. And you're only going to be there for a limited amount of time. And the problem is, is that it doesn't really build lasting relationships. At the same time, the people that do bring on the same people on the same shows or whatever feel like. You know, there's so many people that complain, well, I don't get to be a part of it now. It's like, but they formed a group. And isn't that what we're all looking for? Yeah, it's it's looking for um, your own family and where you, where you feel safe, where you feel comfortable. Right. So and the other thing is, don't. Not that I don't think that someone shouldn't make a career out of it or playing D&D for, you know, profit or anything like that. I mean, if you can do it, fantastic. But at the same time, it's okay to not. Yeah, it's exactly the same as what we were talking about before with the the art that you make to show people online and the art that you make for yourself. Right. Have at least one game just for you. Yeah. Do you play a game now? Not at the moment, no. Um, between running the business and raising a son and occasionally walking a dog, I barely have the time. I'm very fortunate that my other creator friends, uh, some of whom are fantastic GMs, will run run one shots and things for us every now and then, um, nice. and that's kind of how how I get to play. Um, I'm, I'm, but no, I'm not. I'm not part of an any ongoing game at the moment. Which right. are you mostly a DM or a player? I've never DM'd. Don't oh. tell anyone. I won't. <laughs> Uh, no, I've only ever been a player. Like I said, I, I actually got into TTRPGs after I started being a cartographer. Right. So there was never a time before I was doing this where I was just playing. Um, I got into playing through making battle maps and thinking, you know, I should probably play some games so I understand how people are going to use these. Right. So if you had the time, would you be a DM or do you just like being a player? I think right now I'd like to be a player. Um, right. More, I, I think I could DM. I think I think I could do an okay job of it, and I think I'd quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I think once you sit down and uh, DM, that's it. You're you're the forever DM. So you got to get your playing time in while you can. <laughs> I don't necessarily know that as much as the first time I DM'd was the last time I wanted to be a player. Okay. Um. 
I did not realize how much I would absolutely love world building and seeing my players react to an immersive world or how much they would fall in love with NPCs that I created or scenarios or like it's it is completely different to see them play in a world that you've made. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love, 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 love being a DM. I love creating the most minute, weirdest things that they get pleasure out of. Um and I I also think that it's not as scary once you start doing it. I think it's incredibly intimidating before you ever um Yes. Sit in that chair. Yeah, definitely. Uh but once you do, even if you completely feel like you fail, your one your players will let you know. It usually not so many minced words words, or at least mine do. They let me know what I fuck <laughs> yeah. up bad. <laughs> Um, but it's for the most part, most people, um, just want free reign. Most people just want to play a character a certain way or how they envision it in a different world than our own. And it's not, it's not as terrifying as it sometimes seems. And there's tons of tools out there now that help immensely, like we recently tried to bring our homebrew game over to fifth edition and I had no idea how to run a fifth edition encounter. And then I found out that like D&D Beyond has a tool for that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't feel like I even have to do much work now. <laughs> no, that, that is great about there being so many digital tools out there to help. And I, I can totally understand that there's such a feeling of kind of, I don't even know what you'd call it, satisfaction or gratification of people kind of inhabiting this thing that you've created and then building on it. Yeah. But I I think I already get that through right through what I create, you know, the the places I've made. Like when I started doing my maps, when I, when I release a battle map, I always do like a little kind of one or two paragraph um, I don't know what you call it, a bit of fluff, like an explanation of what the building is, maybe some of its history, uh, maybe a character or two who live there and kind of some story hooks that might get used. And I just did it as something a little bit of fun, like a little creative writing exercise um, that's kind of I've built on over time, but it's never more than two or three paragraphs. And then I hear from people who have taken that little seed and just turned it into a, you know, a whole arc in their campaign or a whole campaign. And, right. and just, you know, built on this thing that I kind of put out there, just tentative feelers. Um, so I, I definitely can understand that feeling of being being a GM and building that world and letting people roam in it and just seeing where it goes. Yeah. Do you... Um, so assuming that, you know, like you said, that you hear a lot of people that, that comment at, do you have like your own... Do you have a character that you've created that they can put you into a game or do, is it just your places as opposed to you as a cartographer? It's places. I haven't done like a self-insert character, although I have been quite inspired by your characters that you, that you do. 
um, matriarch of maps. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Um, but I, I see my locations as characters, if yes. that makes sense. Oh, 100%. Each place has a characteristic and a personality, and that those are the characters I'm putting out there, I think. So let's talk about that more, because I am 100% behind this. All of my worlds are individual people, so to speak. Yeah. They have their own, they have, uh, I tell everyone to make your world its own NPC, make them your own character. Um, get, they have a history, a long, usually brutal history as the planet forms. <laughs> usually brutal, yeah. Parents have been <laughs> murdered. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just mean like as a planet, a formation yeah. of a planet goes through a lot. Uh, oh, and yeah. so, you know, I talk about that, but even the people that uh, inhabited the world before whatever time period your, you know, story takes place has had hundreds or thousands of years of you know, um, civilization on it and things that rose and fall. And, and so your world has its own personality at this point. And that's what I do as a DM. I'm not, I'm not really gearing or steering my players in any direction. I just play the world that they inhabit and, you know, weather and NPCs and towns and stuff and, and terrain. And it has personality and and how it reacts and uh which i love i love that about you know everything having a personality even though we probably shouldn't personify everything <laughs> it's a very but, human thing to do though isn't it yeah but i love that because that means that you have that you're telling a story with every map that you create Yeah, very uh, much so. And environmental storytelling is something I think is very important um, in the work I do. It's something that I, I mean, just something that I really enjoy as part of the creative process is, like I was talking about before, thinking about how people move through this space. So what do they leave behind them? What clues do they leave about how they inhabit it? And that, yeah, environmental storytelling is what then becomes the character of the place. Absolutely. Um... So that makes me... So do you have a... Not a favorite, but sort of... Do you have like a favorite either type of map that you make, a favorite map, a favorite passage that you've written about anything, or... I know it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very hard. I could probably sit for a few hours and kind of, you know scroll through and have some nostalgia and pick out some favorites but often my favorite thing is whatever i'm currently working on because that's what's foremost in my mind oh i'm the same Um, way (laughs) yeah so what are you currently working on if you can talk about it yeah so uh it's something that i've been working on for a few months my current series is it's basul which is a dwarven mountain city um, location, like I said, I was working on with Marco Bernardini. He's designing the overall city, and then I'm picking some of these beautiful little sections of the illustration he's done and turning them into battle maps. Um, and this is, like I say, one of these many locations I do that quite often go on for six months or more um, that we slowly build out with places and characters and story that all ties together. I work with a very talented writer as well who creates kind of small adventures that can be kind of plugged into a campaign or weaved together. Um, Alex Afort, who 
I've been working with for a couple of years. He's brilliant. Um, so that's that's the uh, the big ongoing project at the moment. Um, but I've got lots of other little things that I'm working on, things that I'm planning. The the modern battle maps obviously is something new that I'm really enjoying doing. Um, and then I'm started doing some physical maps as well. Now that everyone's trying to get back to playing in person, that's something I'm focusing more on is turning my digital content into something people can pick up and hold and put on a table in front of them. So I've really enjoyed kind of learning that as well. What kind, in other words? So is it like me where I make prop maps? Is it printed? Is it a, I've seen that you've done a Kickstarter with a book. Yes, it's um, Talk to the, me about the Kickstarter. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was something I started to have an idea of um, about a year ago. Uh, kind of trying to figure out how I could give people more options to use my maps when they're playing in person. And very fortunately, early on, I made a decision to make all of my battle maps set sizes. They are all multiples of an eight and a half by 11 inch sheet. Um, so, you know, 17 by 11, 22 by 17, 34 by 22, etc. So I, in case people wanted to tile them up and print them at home, which has served me very well because I now have a whole catalog of maps that fit standard sizes of printer paper. Um, so I've taken a bunch of kind of my, I have this series called, which I call Into the Wilds, which is more like random encounter maps. So if your players wander off somewhere you weren't expecting, whether that's into a forest, down a cave, into the Underdark, you know, anywhere, um, you can just pull out a map and ready to go. Um, and I've been putting those into sets of books, uh, each one by theme. And I worked with a very talented artist called Andreas Roja to do some beautiful cover art, um, which yeah, is incredible. I'll have to send you a link to the images. Yes, um, and this is all, you know, kind of trying to help people fill in the gaps in their own world, if that makes sense. So, you know, a lot of people have the ideas in their world building about specific locations that they imagine their players are going to go to. But that kind of in-between space can be a little bit nebulous. So it's helping people to fill in those small gaps. Those have been quite popular. So we're planning to make some more. Uh, something else I'm working on at the moment. What tools do you use to create your maps? Photoshop almost entirely um, because it's what I know. Right. It's what I, I, so when I was working as an architect, I wasn't doing art, but we do a lot of uh, architectural renders where you kind of take a, a plain white 3D model and just paste mm-hmm. textures and people, you know, kind of like a matte painting sort of right. thing, um, collage. And I'd learned to use Photoshop through doing that. So uh, I still use Photoshop for everything. I should probably take some time to learn things like Clips Studio Paint and some other programs that would speed up my workflow, but finding time to learn a new piece of software could be tricky. Yeah, yeah. Do you, <clears throat> again, questions I get asked all the time, do you use a ton of different brushes? Have you made your own? Do you use assets and made your own? Like, how do you, how is the, phys- the not physical, it's digital. What's the digital process, I should say? Yeah. Um, so my process, my workflow is actually quite structured. I start out with um, kind of a base of textures, some of which are commercial textures I get online, some I've made myself for laying down things like the floors and the walls. 
And that's all quite technical using, you know, stroke and bevel emboss and layer masks and things inside Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, I draw my own assets. So like you were saying about separating out the assets from your maps, I draw the assets individually first and then I right. can kind of put them in. So that allows me to play around a lot with where I want things to go and that idea of environmental storytelling. And then once I have those in place, then it's getting into kind of more of the painting side of adding in light, and shadows, and uh, changing, you know, color and hue and saturation and that sort of stuff. I struggle to call myself an artist sometimes because it's quite a digital process. <laughs> if that makes sense. When people say, are you an artist? I have to kind of go, mm, sort of. Well, I mean, but. yes, yes, you are. Um, so I actually used to teach other people to paint Yeah, a whole other lifetime ago. Um, this was a, one of my favorite things to do on the weekends, and I would take a bunch of people. And immediately everyone was like, oh, I'm no artist. Yes, you are. The moment that you're doing something creative where you are putting together something, whether it's collage work is still artistry, you know, uh, it anything where you're creating something that didn't exist previously on a visual level, on an auditory level, whether you're singing because that sound didn't exist before, whether you're writing because those words weren't put together like that before. All of these, it's still a form of art and it's still a form of skill. And if you can do something that other people technically can't do to the same capacity or in the same way, it's still a form of art. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. It's just sometimes hard to reconcile that in your own mind. But I think also there's a big advantage to the way that I work in that it is quite structured. And right. that means I can teach other people to do it. Yes. So something I've really enjoyed doing is, uh, I don't know, I guess a year or more ago, I did a short series of YouTube videos because some of my patrons had asked, you know, how do you make your maps? And I realized while I was sitting out and doing it, I can teach people step by step exactly how they do something. And they can go from never having drawn a battle map before or used Photoshop to sit down and make something that they would be really happy with, that they would think would look really good and be able to sit and think, I don't know how I did that, but I did it and it looks great. <laughs> yeah, see, I I don't have that. Uh, I am trying to, I, I'm actually doing a revision of my cartography course. Yes, I'm very excited for that. Uh, it's, it is not at all like anyone thinks. And I feel really bad. (laughs) (laughs) When I was asked originally to do it, I was like, oh, I can't. It is drawing. Um, it is a hundred percent drawing. Whether I'm using different layers or not, I could be drawing it all on a single layer. Like it's, I draw exactly as I do on paper, which means that Yes, I apply earth sciences to it when I'm creating it. And I actually do go into that part because that's what most people are looking for in the the revised course. Um, But now I'm kind of getting into the like the classes are turning into like the drawing aspect. And I already have people like, oh, wait, you don't have like damps or... (laughs) brushes that you use and I'm like no I'm sorry unfortunately this is just me drawing for this whole portion and then we'll get back to the the other stuff that if you can't draw you'll probably be interested in (laughs) 
I mean, the thing with drawing, though, is it is something anyone can learn to do if you want to put in the yes. time. Uh, as I, I wasn't someone who, who was gifted at art when I was younger. I didn't really do it at all through school. I would draw a little bit. I'd, you know, try and draw some of the characters from shows and games I liked, and they would look terrible, so I'd hide them and never show anyone. Yeah, same. Um, and then, you know, probably for 10 years, I didn't really draw anything with a ruler when I was doing architecture um, and decided just to come back to it. And there is so much out there to help you learn. Yes. Um, it's, you don't need to spend any money beyond a piece of paper and a biro uh, and just sit and spend some time. And it's, yeah, it's incredible how quickly you can progress. Right. And, um, it, you know, it. I do the same thing when I tell everyone, like, I, I didn't know how to draw. When I first started creating art, I was a painter. And it, I had to teach myself how to draw. And I didn't do that until I was in my 30s and 40s almost, you know. So not that much before I became a cartographer, which everyone's like, no, really. And I'm like, no, seriously, I, I just didn't. One, I was painting and everything else, and that was my passion, and I loved it. But uh, and not that drawing wasn't. I just hadn't taken the time to learn. And then, um, oddly enough, my my wife suggested I take up pyography, which is wood burning. And oh yeah, I I loved it because I got to make like tavern signs. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Um, but I also got to do other art and she thought it was hilarious that the first thing I was doing was classical art pieces with wood burning and everyone else does wow, like landscaping. That's, that's a way to and, jump in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what I, I have always found, um, if you want to learn how to draw or create or paint or whatever, learn from the people whose art you love the most. Yeah. And I love, I love Da Vinci's drawings. So he's who I mimicked first. That's very I'm, interesting. Yeah, I well he, because he, he, he does has have quite a, a very, technical style, doesn't he? Yes. At while doing while scribbling it at the same time, if that yeah. makes sense. Yes. And yeah. I liked that because that gave me an opportunity to just scribble until it looked right. <laughs> 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 so uh, a lot of his. Um, you know, uh, charcoal and everything else. You can see a ton of lines where you could tell that he was sort of doing the same thing. This doesn't look right. This doesn't look right. But he would just keep going. And that's that was more or less the inspiration behind it. I was like, OK, then I'm just going to I'm just going to keep doodling until it looks like something. Yeah, until you, know? you find the right line. Yeah, right. I am going to highly stress to anyone listening, however, that you are going to want to find your own style. Uh, it is a lot of people really want to mimic someone else's work that they feel is selling or is uh, successful, but they're successful because their stuff usually does not look like everyone else's and it stands out. And also, who wants to be sued because copyright? Yeah, I definitely agree. Style is always a very interesting topic. Mm -hmm. Something I, I imagine you've been asked and I get asked occasionally is kind of, what is your style? How did you find your style? Did you choose your style? Right. Is is that something you get? Oh, a lot. Yeah. 
A lot. Um, I did not pick it. I draw the way I do because I'm partially blind. Yeah. Okay. So my my feeling about style is that it's kind of like an accent in that you pick it up as you're learning to talk from the people who teach you. But over time, you start to put your own personality into it and it becomes something new, something of your own. It's not something you deliberately choose, but you can kind of direct it. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So, yeah, when people ask me, where did my style come from or did I choose it? It's just something that kind of happened incidentally over time as I was learning from different people and trying different things. And it's just it's a pr- it happens organically. Process, definitely. Yes, exactly. I think that a, a lot of artists, especially when they're starting out, I think that they that they assume that style is, oh, I I started drawing like this and a bunch of people liked it and then I stuck with it. I don't. I Again, I I have to stress to people, I only draw in one style. Like, I I will have people that will message me and want uh, sci-fi maps and I'm like, that's great. I'm not who you should be talking to, though. (laughs) Yeah, I, I definitely get some of that as well. I'll have people wanting to commission me or, you know, village maps, region maps, town maps. I say, well, that's not actually something I do. I can do it for you if you want, but I'm going to take a lot longer and not be nearly as good as if you hire someone who who is good at that and who can do that. Right. Oh, yeah, same thing. I, uh, I, I usually recommend somebody that I happen to know does that style of map or... Um, I sent I've sent plenty of people to you actually for battle maps and everything else because that's very kind of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, also, now that I know that you do more modern stuff, the amount of people that will ask me to do a a much more modern looking map, I'm like, I cannot help you. High fantasy. I'm your girl. But otherwise. Not so much. Yeah. (laughs) Because I, I don't want any of my work to have straight lines. And Okay. <laughs> well, we're very different there then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love this when other people do it. I think, you know, because I love beautiful, crisp lines and everything else. But when I'm doing my own art, if I actually somehow get a nice, perfectly straight line and it's not the border, I delete it. You like to have that last bit of character in your line. I, when I'm when I'm drawing on paper, I'm very much the same. I would not use a ruler. I would draw my lines by hand. If they don't come out perfectly straight, then that's brilliant. Yes. But when I'm drawing in Photoshop, probably after Control Z, my next most used shortcut key is just the Shift key to draw a straight line. <laughs> yeah, you know, I only found out that that key does that in, I think, like three or four years ago. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, there you go. That's probably the first thing I learned. Yeah, I've been using those guides, the guidelines. I've been using those instead because I didn't know. (laughs) That's it. That's the other beautiful thing about all these different digital tools. There's a million ways to use them and none of them are right or wrong. Exactly. You know, and uh, the other thing is I like it. I do. I love very organic looking maps. I tell everyone I make in-world maps. You know, mm-hmm. they're not to scale, yes. they're representational. They are they're meant to tell a story in a very different way. Yeah. 
and um, there's no right or wrong way to make maps for anyone listening. Don't think that you gotta. You know, if you want to make everything with straight lines, that's just as beautiful as not. Yeah, completely agree. There is there is no right or wrong way to do it, so long as you're enjoying what you're doing. Exactly. So uh, I greatly appreciate you coming to hang out and talking with me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I uh, really yeah. appreciate you inviting me, and it's been fantastic to talk to you. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, so I was quite nervous coming into this, but uh, you made me very at ease. So thank you so oh, much. Good. good, I love that. Um, and anytime that you want to come back, just let me know. We'll schedule something. We'll come and hang out. That would be brilliant. Thank Do you. this all over again. Hopefully, not as in not as nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I look forward to being on your other three podcasts at this point as well. Yeah, so we'll get yeah, to those. pretty much. Yeah, I am going to oh. end up. I know what's going to happen. I've said this earlier uh, to several friends. I know I'm going to end up with a world building podcast because yeah. everybody asks me about earth sciences and I, I am ridiculously passionate about it. Like I am way too excitable over some pretty silly things like the fact that there's a pl- there's a, a lake on our planet that boils and I just want to share this with everybody <laughs> I didn't know that so yeah which yeah. one um, I actually yeah I actually have a link to it because I am horrible at pronouncing All right, you send certain it to words me. yep but I also have <laughs> ones that explode and oh I know like a bunch of really weird things about our planet that everyone's like you you should just that would be its own podcast i was like yeah but then i don't really know how many guests i would have on because i don't know uh, i know like three other people that are into earth sciences you should just bring on some of those reddit commenters that tell you all the wrong things (laughs) i could make a podcast just correcting reddit sometimes yeah that's Uh, what you should call it (laughs) <laughs> correcting reddit correcting yeah that'll, reddit. that won't get me any trolls <laughs> that'll go down very well <laughs> yeah oh anyhow yeah, well, thank you yeah. so much thank you as well yeah and we'll uh we'll definitely have you on at it at any point you want brilliant thank you so much Devin. Yeah. all right thank you